Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of One For All, but it's a very special episode of One For All because we're talking movie time. Very true. We're talking about the first My Hero Academia movie, Two Heroes. Now, if you're new here, welcome to the show. I'm Anna. This is Nancy. And we come here every week to rewatch and review the anime My Hero Academia. But as mentioned, this week we're taking a, a bit of a break from our regularly scheduled programming to take a look at the movie. And we decided to cover this movie a little differently than we cover the episodes. Because the more and more we thought about it, we do a rewatch podcast and we do a rewatch podcast for like a half hour anime. So each one of our rewatch episodes are about a half hour long. So if the movie's an hour and a half, that's way too long. That is just way too long. <laughs> so we ended up structuring things a little differently. It's a little similar to the Nancy's Book Club episodes, but slightly different because we still got to kind of tell you what happens. Yeah, we'll give you basically to start off with a brief summary of the movie, like just a few minutes, and then we'll dive into some larger questions that arose just from watching the movie. So it's not quite like our big recap episodes where we're talking about a giant chunk of material, but we're still, we still found a way to have fun with this. Yeah, absolutely. So recap of this film it runs about 96 minutes yep. so there's a lot to cover in a very short amount of time here's the thing that you need to know if you remember a very special episode saving yes. the world with love deku is on his way to i island and a tech expo with all might to meet his old friend dave Yes. The movie actually begins with a flashback of All Might and Dave and when All Might was studying in America as a student. And it sort of shows us some really fun sort of flashback heroics of a young All Might and also establishes why this relationship with Dave is important and why he would continue to want to see him in the future. So he arrives at I Island with Deku and they've had a special invitation from Melissa, who is Dave's daughter. Melissa Shield. She's a smarty pants, just mm -hmm. like her old man yes dave is now a scientist and he isn't doing important research on the island and melissa wants to grow up to be just like him yep we learned just as a point of note that she is quirkless yes which deku this really resonates with deku obviously yep. we also learn that this very exclusive expo all of his classmates got invitations, which strains credulity beyond belief. Yeah, like it's interesting as they sort of, you have Deku, he's been invited as a student of All Might because, you know, he and All Might, as All Might puts at the beginning of the movie, they have this deep connection because they share the power one for all. But the other classmates have been invited to this big expo that's taking place on I Island for other reasons. And some of them make sense, like Tenya is basically invited because he's part of a really important superhero family. Uh, Momo is basically, again... She's rich. She's one of the elite, so that's why she gets invited. Todoroki gets invited to represent his father. And then you have, like, and they sort of everyone else is there. <laughs> and then everyone else is there. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, right? Like... Endeavor couldn't be bothered to come to this, which is totally believable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all the, all the classmates are here for various reasons. Yeah, but the ones that you we focus the most on are the ones that we mentioned before, and Ochako and Jiro, and as well as Mineta and Kaminiri. Bakugo and Kirishima are here too. Yeah, Bakugo and Kirishima are here as well. Bakugo got invited for winning the sports festival. I don't know if I buy that one. <laughs> I'm not sure that he would come. Yeah. Anyways, all you need to know is everybody is here. Yeah. Uh, in, in the words of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, mm -hmm. everyone has arrived at this island. They get an invitation to a big fancy party up at the tower for some celebration of the mm -hmm. expo. 
Super cool. Guess what? Villains attack. Villains attack. And not only are they attacking just with like, you know, weapons and stuff like that, but they have taken over the security system in the tower and they're able to use, I think they say this is like a Tartarus level security system. And we learned that Tartarus is the place where they keep all the supervillains. They keep all the supervillains, including all for one. This does not bode well for Tartarus. No. So they are able to use this security system to even basically hold All Might at bay. And at that point, our students are kind of separated from All Might. And they have to figure out a way to take down these villains, who are all nameless, by the way. <laughs> More on that later. There's one villain who gets a name. His name's like Sword Arm or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. Who ironically has sword arms uh, or, or something similar it doesn't really matter yeah. in the context of the movie but deku and company with the help of melissa shields have to save the day which they do yeah they're not licensed heroes yet so they don't necessarily want to fight so they come up with a plan to take over the security system back from the villains basically and at that point the movie kind of enters this lengthy sort of try fail cycle period where the heroes run up a flight of stairs and they encounter the villains and they beat the villains but then there are robots and so on and so forth but eventually we get to the top of the tower and we learn the truth about dave dave yes <laughs> dave basically created a support item specifically for all might it was in research to deal with the fact that he is losing his powers yes but society thought that it would be really dangerous to completely overhaul and enhance people's quirks with machinery and said hey how about we just put that in a vault somewhere and mm -hmm. never mention it again so he and his partner sam sam hired some villains to Dage. Yeah. They're supposed to be fake villains. They're supposed to be fake villains. But don't worry, so because they're fake, they're not going to hurt anyone. Blah, blah, blah. No, what? They're real They're, they're, real, they're real villains. They're real villains. And the leader of the villain, who has this kind of metal mask, um, sort of walks in the room, takes the technology that Dave was trying so hard to recover. recover. Sam kind of stabs him in the back right here. And he says, well, too bad. It's mine now. It's mine now, and you're going to make me more of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes the combined might of All Might and Deku and the class yep. to defeat said villain and bring resolution to this first film. Yes. Now you know what happens. Now you know what happens. Ta-da! End of episode. End of episode or end of movie. That is our, our five-minute summary, which really did end up being about five minutes long. So, pretty good. <laughs> we should be in radio. <laughs> da 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 now we're going to move over into our thoughts and opinions. We have many of them, as per usual. Yeah, we're an opinionated bunch. Oh, if yes, you listen so to the show, you know you that. You know. <laughs> so what did you think of this movie, and how does it compare to your memory of it? Because you've seen this once before. I have seen this once before. It's a piece of MHA media that I've only seen twice now. Mm -hmm. And I like this film a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that it manages to avoid some of the pitfalls that are common with anime movies mm -hmm. in general though it does fall prey to some of them yeah we'll talk about that in a bit and i think that it's overall enjoyable the characters are the characters like they're recognizable they are well written i think within the context of the movie and i think the original characters that they bring to life have a lot of depth and are interesting which is not the villains again they didn't even have names <laughs> but but dave and melissa specifically i think are pretty good. We'll also talk about that later. Yeah, I agree. I find this movie to be a lot of fun. Sure, it does not hit the emotional highs that the TV show hits 
pretty regularly. But but thanks to um, the, str- the new characters who are very strong, and we get to have a lot of fun delving into All Might's past as a very young hero. And as a result of that, it's just a really entertaining way to spend an hour and a half. I remember watching this the first time and going in with like no expectations at all, really, because these sort of anime spinoff movies, I feel like it's a 50-50 whether it's going to be any good. And even the ones that are good are never very great, in my opinion, with one exception. But I ended up having a lot of fun with it the first time I watched it. And I had a lot of fun when I watched it this time. Agreed. I think that that's helped by the fact that when Horikoshi was doing press for the release of this film, uh, I think, I can't remember what media outlet asked the question, but they were talking about whether the movie was canonical. Like, did it fit into the canon? Uh, And he said that he considers it canon. Um, This period of young all might and Mm -hmm. you know some of the stuff that that was here is stuff he wanted to get to but by the time he wanted to get to it the manga was so far along that it just didn't make sense to do it so that's really cool a lot of anime movies are not canonical and it makes it very difficult for you to reconcile some of the things that happen in them yeah Um, which brings us to our next question so what are some of the common pitfalls you get in these sort of anime spin-off movies and when i what i mean when i say that like you have a regular anime that runs week to week and they make a spin-off movie with wholly original content that will play in theaters so a lot of anime have like naruto and Ayasha. i've seen a bunch of them a lot they have a lot of movies like this so what are some of the common pitfalls you see in movies like this and how does two heroes handle that so the the big problem to me with anime films is that because they are based on the property but aren't part of the main canonical story characters can't grow So we have a story about characters, but nothing has permanence within the film. They usually don't even touch growth at all, like character growth, power growth, any of it, which is key to these shows. Mm -hmm. Let's keep that in mind. But additionally, there are limitations on what they can do with villains, too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard to bring back old villains and not have consequences that stick, right? This is all about consequences. You can't, good and bad, you can't take them with you. And I think that's probably the biggest pitfall. Yeah, I agree. I feel like when you make these movies, you are necessary to have a cinematic level of spectacle. Like, you need to have these big crazy things that you could do with your nice big, you know, movie size budgets but at the same time you have the double-edged sword where they can't matter because they can't impact the way the characters have grown in any way and I feel like while there is some of that in this movie for the most part it does a great job of sidestepping that by having a storyline that is rooted in All Might's far past like a piece of as you mentioned a piece of All Might's past that isn't necessarily going to be touched on in the anime um so as a result even though the characters themselves they don't necessarily grow in any meaningful way allowing us to get a glimpse into a young All Might and the people that matter to him as a result of you know his time spent in America it gives us a deeper understanding of him as a character all around and I feel like the movie is really strong for that yeah I think so too Uh, it creates some logic problems Mm -hmm. um which I don't think are great we didn't cover this in our our recap but a great example of this is the fact that Dave does not know about one for all Mm mm-hmm Uh, He does not know about its ability to be passed down, Mm -hmm. obviously. But we know that All Might has kept his closest people in confidence. Yeah, like Sakauchi, the detective. Sir Night-Eye. Yeah, it it feels like, especially where it's revealed that Dave, it's not just like they were friends in college. He designed every costume. He designed every single one of All Might's costumes over the years, which 
makes Dave seem really impressive. Um, but it also means they've been in constant contact over the years. So why wouldn't All Might tell him? Yeah, and why this creates a logic problem is that the the MacGuffin of the movie is completely avoided yeah. if Dave is trusted. Yeah. Because he never would have stolen that device to save All Might if he knew that All Might had passed on his power yeah, to and, Deku. Yeah, and that is the reason why uh, did, there are some medical tests done earlier on and Dave notices that the quirk in All Might's body is regressing. So you're right, he wouldn't have gone through these great lengths of, you know, faking this crime and stuff like that if he knew that it was going to be all for naught regardless. Yep, it creates a huge logic problem, but the show, the show, the movie requires mm-hmm. you to just kind of overlook that, mm-hmm. even though we know that from the cues that we get that Dave should have been somebody who was within that circle of trust. Yeah. The reason given is that he doesn't, All Might, does not want to make Dave and Melissa targets of All for One, should he still exist. Mm-hmm. Do we know that he does? Yeah. Because keep in mind, this is pre-season three. Yeah, so... All for one hasn't made his big return yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Eh. So, that's a thing. But also, I don't know if I was all for one and Dave Shields was All Might's best friend and he made every single one of his costumes, that would make him a target to begin with. Yeah, I agree. But anyways, logic loops, it's problematic, but it's easy enough to ignore for the sake of the spectacle and the fun. All right, so that brings us to our second question. What do you think about I Island as a setting? How does it create a different environment than UA or Japan as a whole does in the TV show? I think it's interesting because it's it's beneficial and fascinating because they they've basically created a petri dish for this film. Like it's not in Japan, so there's Mm -hmm. no exterior effects. It allows them to make it whatever they need it to be for the film, which is very convenient. Mm Uh, For them, but we learn in the film that crime everywhere outside of Japan is over 20%. And in Japan, it's only 6% or something like that. Because of All Might. Yeah, just because of All Might. Which is a great world building fact. Mm -hmm. That's great. But everyone on I Island is allowed to use their quirks, which is fascinating because it's only 10,000 people and it's heavily, tightly controlled. Yep, and they're all scientists too. So you probably don't get too many uh, people with like mad, crazy quirks. It creates. This really interesting place because everybody is using their quirks, which isn't the case in the regular show because it's so controlled in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. And I also think that having a setting that's on an island, and I believe they say it's even like a mobile island so it can move around. There's just a lot of, a lot of cool factor on this island, especially like in the scene earlier in the movie where you have Melissa is showing Deku around and all the, the big expo exhibits that are taking place. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of flash and there's a lot of really neat and interesting things to look at. But it's also convenient because by, by isolating Deku and All Might from the rest of the world, there's never the question of, oh my God, we're in this bad situation. Well, why don't they just call their friends? Because they are isolated. They, they can't just call their friends. They have to take care of it themselves because they're blocked off from everyone. And that solves a lot of the logic issues you have when you have these sort of superhero shows um, or comics with a large sprawling cast of characters. It was really weird to see Deku without shoot style. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a little, because we were, were watching this after watching season three, it's a little out of the sequence for us. But the one thing I wanted to know <laughs> the entire time is what language are we speaking in this movie? Because obviously in the beginning scenes, 
when All Might's in the States with Dave, they're all speaking English. I mean, they're speaking Japanese for our sake. Um, it's just like when we have a Hollywood movie that takes place in Germany, but in historically or whatever, but they still speak English because we're an English audience. But in the scenes where All Might and Deku are on I Islands, what language are they speaking? Does Deku know how to speak English? No idea. That is never addressed, and it bothers me every time that I watch this. And you know why that's important? Because <laughs> yeah. they can't even say, for instance, that this is a island filled strictly with Japanese people. Mm -hmm. Because Dave is from California. Yeah. Like, it feels more like an international think tank yeah. than anything else. Yeah. And I know it's like, it's one of those things where it's probably better that they avoided it rather than constantly be switching languages. Because I like remember when we watched the Psychopaths movie and they had Kogami speaking English and it was just really awkward the entire time. And it really took you out of the, the movie experience. So it's probably better that they don't address it. But it did every time I watch this movie, which is only twice now, I'm like, wait a minute, what, what language is Deku speaking right now? <laughs> but with speaking of characters, let's move on to the new characters that are created for this particular movie. Um, we have Melissa and Dave and maybe Sam if you want to comment on him too. But Melissa and Dave are the, the big ones. Melissa and Dave are both great. Yeah. I, I think that they are really interesting characters with interesting motivations. They do a lot of good work in fleshing them out. And I think their character designs are really interesting aesthetically. I really wish Melissa is something that had been like pulled in yeah. to the anime. She's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's really, really great to see a character who is very celebrated, who is like a smart, a smart kind of nerdy girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we get some of that with Hatsume, mm -hmm. but she's also, like... Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Melissa is just a, a, a nice, smart girl who wants to be a scientist. That's fantastic. There's this great scene uh, with her earlier in the movie where she brings Deku back to her lab because she has created this glove. She's noticed that he has these scars on his hands and she believes that it's because that he cannot use his powers to the full extent without hurting himself which we know is true. And she's picked up on this because she's very smart. And show she, not tell. Show not tell. And then she hands in this glove, which is very useful in the final fight, by the way. Um, but as we're there, like Deku looks around her lab and he sees that she has, she's won all these awards. And she brings that, he brings it up to her and, you know, and how, you know, smart she is and stuff like that. And she's like, well, I didn't always get great, get great grades, but she was able to do all of these things because of how motivated she is and how much she wants to be just like her father. And she's quirkless, but she's not going to let that hold her back. And that is something that resonates so well with Deku. Like, obviously, their lives have taken very different paths, but in a lot of ways, they are very similar characters, which I like a lot. Yeah, they're really great together. Uh, anime movies have a tendency to frame a, a female lead who's unique to the movie around the central like main character from the yeah. show that's very common and a lot of them are forgettable throwaway characters who i never care about but i care about melissa a lot mm -hmm. i think she's probably the bravest person in this film yeah like she has no powers but when things get bad she goes with everybody else to try and fix things she sustains injury she stands up to like a petty villain thug who mm -hmm. is about to throw deku like out the tower yeah she is awesome she is brave despite her fear and and she is because she has to be like i think that because she's such a practically minded person if she knew that there was really no place for her there and she would more or less get in the way i think she would step back but 
because she knows that she, only she, can access these security systems, that she is a necessary part of this plan. So she has to be part of it. And so she is with the rest of the students the entire time and she never lets anything hold her back. And so she's, she's a great character, I agree. She's great. Her father gets a little less development, in my opinion, because he's not always on screen, mm -hmm. whereas Melissa almost always is. But I think with Dave, what's interesting to see is how All Might's presence in people's lives changes them. Yeah. Like, Dave is saved by All Might when he is a young man in California, and he sees something in All Might that also makes him better. Yeah. And I love how it sort of creates this strong bond between them in their, their young student days and how, as a result, he becomes so entwined in his young life. Like, yes, he makes his costumes for him, which is great, but he also goes out when All Might is saving the day. He has this cool supercar. It's and that, awesome. And that, in this flashback scene that also, like, flies and shit. It's great. And it's clear that from Dave's actions and the scenes that they chose to present to you that he really cares about All Might. Like the scene where he is doing the medical tests on All Might and is observing how his quirk is sort of fading away. Like you could tell that this was really alarming to him. And because of how much he cares about All Might, it makes his actions, which are not good actions by like, creating this heist situation with fake villains um, that results in a lot of bad. It's not, those are not good actions, but you understand why he does it because it comes from a, a real bond that exists between the two of them. And you can tell, like, their scenes together are really good. Mm -hmm. Melissa's scenes with All Might are very good. Yeah. There, there's a familial kind of connection between All Might and this family. that feels very genuine. And you can see Dave's actions as... Someone who is literally trying to save a brother or yeah. a family member. And like when you get into those situations, sometimes you do extreme things. Hopefully not this extreme. Please don't do stuff like this. That was that was a bad call. <laughs> Despite the fact that he has done this, you can tell that he never wanted anyone to get hurt. Not no. that intent matters so much when people get hurt, right? But that was never on his list of things that he was willing to do. Mm -hmm. To accomplish this goal. Like the only reason he went along with it is everything was going to be fine. Nobody was going to get hurt or killed and there would be no damage and mm -hmm. like it, it would be okay. That was extremely naive of him yeah. to think. But as Nancy said, sometimes when your loved ones are in danger, you make question, questionable choices. Not to mention there's the added element of he this technology, the device that he has at the end of the movie. That was something that he created. That was something that he put all his blood, sweat and tears into so he could help All Might. And that was something that was taken away from him. And I feel as a writer, like I have a different experience with creations, but there is something similar there to having something that you put all this work into taken away from you. So I can kind of sort of relate on that way and see why he would try and take it back. Agreed. The TLDR, they're really good. The villains, not good. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. I do honestly feel like Melissa and Dave are why this movie works. Like, there are some great fight scenes, don't get me wrong, and the world building is really cool, but I feel like that's often where these other movies, anime spinoff movies, fall flat, is the fact that the other characters, the new characters, don't matter and you don't get emotionally involved in them. But you do in this case. Yeah, I totally cried at the end of this movie. All right, let's have a more of a fun question. So 
yes, you know, when we first meet Deku, he's wearing his like hero costume and stuff like that. But the majority of the movie, um, they're all going to this fancy party, right? For the I Expo. So they dress in fancy outfits. How do you feel about these outfits? Do you have a favorite outfit? Who has the best outfit? I have to ask these questions. <laughs> so someone needs to tell Deku that you don't wear brown brown striped suits. Yeah, his do not is not really a great look for him. And I know he's kind of supposed to be a little bit of a nerd, maybe the mo- not the most fashion forward, but I feel like I bet his mom picked that out for him and she she could have done a little better. Yeah. Yeah. One hundo. Yeah. Uh, some of the outfits are really great. Yeah. Mom has got a really beautiful dress. Her hair is done up really nice. Uh, but let's talk about Todoroki's white suit for a second. This seems very impractical. <laughs> he looks great, but it seems very impractical. It's, it's, here's the thing with white suits. Mm-hmm. In reality, they're kind of garish. Yeah. But as it's presented in animated fashion mm-hmm. and with his red and white hair, yeah, it, it looks really snappy. Yeah, I agree. I thought he looked great. I thought Ochako looks super cute. Like, super cute. Her f- dress is a little bit poofy and stuff like that. So like she admits like she's not normally one to dress up and stuff like that. And she actually borrowed a dress from Momo. But it's one that really suits her personality. So I think it's a good choice. She's so much shorter than Momo. How does that even fit? I mean, I bet on Momo it's a longer dress. <laughs> I'm going to assume. Jiro is a little embarrassed by her dress up outfit. But I like the fact that she keeps her weather jacket. So she keeps a piece of herself. Even though she's trying something different. Bakugo has a really interesting outfit. I love Bakugo's outfit in this. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. And I think what's funny, can we talk about Karishima and Bakugo for a second? Oh my god. They're they are so great. <laughs> they're so shippable in this, yeah. this film. Mm-hmm. If I had never seen like another piece of MHA media and I watched this, I'd be like... They're dating, they're right? They're dating, yeah. right? <laughs> Bakugo gets his invitation to be part of iIwin, the iExpo, and he has a plus one, so of course... He invites Karishima, but Bakugo has no patience for this whole fancy party or whatever, but that's okay. Karishima has not only an outfit for him, but an outfit for Bakugo, and apparently Karishima is a fucking clothes horse because both of the outfits are great. (laughs) They're great. The best part of this scene, I don't know if they have two rooms. No, they don't. They have the same room. They have the same room. (laughs) Bakugo is lying on the bed, Mm -hmm. basically being like, I don't want to go out tonight. (laughs) I don't want to do this. And Karishima's like, you totally got to go. And like, he's like, I don't want to dress up. And Krishna was like, I know that you didn't bring clothes. I brought something for you to dress up. And I was like, you two are so gay. And it's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. I really like Bakugo's vest that has like the rose pattern on it. Because I wouldn't look at Bakugo and say that man belongs in florals. But it looks really nice on him. It does. And he looks really great. Unfortunately, he loses a sleeve part of the way with all the fighting and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh no, but Karishima great, created such a great outfit for you. It's oh. They get lost and have a like mm-hmm. married couple's directions argument. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you sure you know where you're going? Take yeah. a left here kind of thing. Priceless. Yeah. Absolutely priceless. I think Bakugo gets gets the award for best outfit for me. Yeah. But Todoroki's a close second because it looked real snappy. For my second, I'm actually going to have to give it to Melissa. Um, oh my god, Because she yeah. had that really great blue outfit. And as a fellow blonde-haired, blue-eyed, fair-skinned lady, you know you wear blue. And she picks this great blue outfit and it looks great on her. It does. It's it's really great. I, I think I might have to change my vote because I wasn't thinking about that. I was mm-hmm. just thinking about our, the students. Our, our student friends. But yeah, Melissa looks great. She looks great. Good job. Pretty much everyone but Deku, I feel like. Melissa's also a little older. She's 17. Yeah, she's 17. So she's a little more aware of these things. 
All right, so now we're going to shift back to characters now that we've had our fun, and we're going to bitch a little bit, actually. So what are your thoughts on the villain? How does he compare to some of the villains in the series? Listen, <laughs> this guy has an amazing quirk. He's, he's basically fucking Magneto. He can manipulate metal. Mm-hmm. We know what Magneto can do. Yeah. Like, if you've seen an X-Men movie or read an X-Men comic, you know manipulation of metal, very powerful. And they sell that here very well. Mm -hmm. However, he is a not well-developed villain. He's very shallow. He exists only to serve the purposes of the plot, and he has no name. I know. Like, and I kept on waiting for the moment where we get some, any information revealed about him. Like, what's up with his face? For one thing. Like the entire movie, I'm looking at him and he has like a metal mask on. And you could see like his neck and stuff like that, that he has lighter skin. But his face is darker. So for like a big chunk of the movie, I'm like, is he wearing blackface? Like, like what is going on? But at the end, we see it starts to heal maybe a little bit. Or so maybe flake off. Or flake off. So maybe, maybe I have, it was blackface. I have no idea what's going on with this guy. We get zero information about him besides the fact that he is he's hired on he's um, by Dave. We know that he's a double crosser. He's capable. And we learn in the end that he was actually hired on by All For One. All for one's like, yo, I hear you're doing a job on Island with Dave Shields. I want in on this because I want to make All Might sad. Pretty much. And I feel like, like there's a lot of potential there. Like you have this guy come in and he is like the secret worker of All for One and stuff like that. But there's nothing to this guy. And they literally never expand on that plot point. It's just mentioned to make All Might sad. Yeah. It just kind of tacked on at the end. And I don't know. I Sometimes I wonder when I watch movies like this, like what was on the cutting room floor? Were there scenes that gave more depth to his character? Any depth? Even like... A divot? A scrap of a personality? A name? Something? All these people have no names. They get some really interesting quirks. I mean, they have, there's some nice fight scenes. Especially there's a good one between like some of the... Like, lieutenant-level bad guys and Todoroki, Bakugo, and Kirishima? Yep. There's really good. There's some really good stuff here, where especially, like, Bakugo and Todoroki really get to let loose. But very, very shallow. The slightest of puddles. It's like they knew that they're like, we have some good, some really good stuff on the, mm-hmm. on the flip side with the, the hero characters. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to put that much effort in over here. These people are completely disposable. And while that's true, the movie's still good. Mm-hmm. It would have been much better if we understood a little bit about these people or their motivations or their backgrounds. Yeah. And like the movie's only an hour and a half long. You could have added just another 10 minutes in there. Yep. Like some internal dialogue between them. And I don't think necessarily every villain needs to be super deep, to be perfectly honest, which may be a controversial opinion nowadays. Like you can have a bad guy that's just in it for the money, for example. Um, But it would be nice to know something a little more about their motivations and their their interactions or do you know why that is this movie's biggest sin Mm -hmm. it's because the villains in mha are so good it's true like we are used to getting villains like stain Mm -hmm. we're used to getting villains like shigaraki all for one a character we're going to meet in season four. Yeah. Who have a lot of depth. Yeah. And they have a lot of growth over the period that you see them on the screen. Even a character like Muscular. Yeah. Who legitimately was in the show for what? Three episodes? I know. You know more about that guy and his motivations in what is ostensibly less than an hour on screen. Yeah. And they're 
not super deep or anything like that, but it, at least there's something there. Yep. So, yeah, I agree. The villain, the villain, main villain in his, his little group, I definitely think are the weakest part of this movie. And the more I think about it, the more it actually kind of bothers me. But yeah, so, so we touched on this a little bit, but what do you think about All for One's involvement in the movie plot? So I think to a certain extent it makes sense. Yeah. All for One is always trying to ruin All Might's life. Yeah. Like he, he says as much in season three when he's like, you know, you took everything from me. I want to ruin you. Mm-hmm. Like you take away everything that you have. That totally makes sense. The problem is, is that this takes place before All for One shows up on the scene. And I feel like in the anime, in the manga, there is some question between Sakauchi and Gran Torino and All Might about whether All for One is still alive and pulling the strings. They suspect because the Nomus have multiple powers. Mm -hmm. But until we actually see All for One revealed, it's not a sure thing. And I feel like this guy being like, oh, yeah, that dude reached out to me. It just steals that moment away. Yeah. And it's less noticeable because, you know, this movie came out after those episodes had aired. But yeah, I think it's a poor decision. And I also feel like you could have taken that, just plucked that element right out of the story. And it wouldn't have mattered. And it wouldn't have mattered. Because at the end of the day, you have the big fight at the end where he steals the device, he uses his Amplify's powers, and it takes the combined effort of All Might and Deku to sort of punch him out. And but and, it wouldn't have been any different. Yeah, his additional quirk yeah. doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah, like we get this shock moment, like, oh my god, he has multiple quirks, but he could have had like sort of the same sort of impact, even in like the fight scene with like bringing up some sort of a shield or something like that. He tries to drop a giant metal cube on them. Like yeah. that's pretty badass he didn't have to use his muscles to pick it up yeah i feel like it was done because they want a way to tie it back to the anime in a stronger way so again it feels like the movie matters in a way that so often these tie-in anime movies do not matter but i don't think it necessarily works and not every villain needs to be tied into all for one they're not in the anime it doesn't have to be in the movie either so I'm going to ask you a question we didn't put on our list. Oh, okay. And it's about this. How does this movie measure up if you change the timeline position to after All Might loses his powers? So he's here visiting the island with Mm -hmm. Deku, but he is skeletal All Might. He's already lost everything. And we find out that All for One put this plan into motion with Dave much earlier Mm because it took time to arrange. And... All for one's already been on the scene. I think that that could be really interesting. I feel like it could give even a larger sense of urgency to Dave's plot because it's the device isn't necessarily about stopping All Might's powers from going away. It's about getting them back at that case. It's about turning him back into the friend that he had. He sees the unease going on yeah, in Japan. And, and he says, wants to do something about it. And I feel like the one thing it would rob you from is the big double one for all punch at the end which i do feel like is a really cool moment and it would be too it would be bad to lose that but it might be a decent trade-off well you know what's really crazy you could still have that if there were two devices instead of That's just true. one yeah they could, you could find a way to bring back all might's powers temporarily but at the end of the day we find out that one for all is mm-hmm. too much power for the device to handle mm-hmm. and so it burns out so it yeah. would never work for him yeah. regardless you still get the big punch and the great ending you get to see all might in his glory again for a moment and fighting alongside deku yeah 
I think that if you move this in the timeline and make a few small alterations, it's a much stronger film. I agree. And it would also make sense where it aired and just the overall plot line because it aired like after episode, I don't know, like 17 or something like have that. Have it happen after the provisional licenses and then you don't have to worry about they can't fight. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that would be... That's a good question. I feel like it would be a stronger movie that way. Like, you get to keep a lot about what works so well about it. And yeah, I agree. <laughs> but we do have one more question. <laughs> so what would you like to see either Horikoshi or the anime in general keep from this movie? Are there any, like, strong elements you'd like to see plucked from this movie and placed into either the show or future movies or just anything going forward? So for you listeners who don't know, occasionally Horikoshi watches the anime, go figure, Mm -hmm. sees little cool things that the studio does, maybe with color or with design that weren't in his original plans. And he will integrate them later Mm -hmm. into the manga because he thinks they're neat. So this isn't completely out of the question. Give me Melissa Shields back. Yeah. I need her. In, In the greater world of MHA, she's such a great character. Also, can we talk about what happened to Dave? Like actually have some real consequences Mm -hmm. or like follow up on did he go to prison is he allowed to advise on things because he's such a brilliant mind like the government is like we we still need your your brain power like we'll reduce your sentence if you help us out like there's a lot of material there that we don't get to because the movie is very Mm self-contained but having melissa especially if dave goes to prison go to ua's support course Mm -hmm. would be Really cool. Yeah, I almost assumed after watching this that the characters, like, even if they didn't appear in the show, they would appear in future movies. And they don't. I mean, the third movie hasn't come out yet, so we haven't seen it. But they're not in the second movie. The second movie deals with completely different characters. And it was a little disappointing not to see Melissa and Dave come back in some sort of way. Um, Especially when I feel like they did weave a really strong impression. Another thing I'd like to see explored even more is All Might's past. I mean, it might be a little bit because we're American, um, but to see sort of his adventures in California and Las Vegas, which is weird because Las Vegas is in Nevada, but then they say California on the screen. But anyways, just seeing like All Might's adventures as a like a younger, more blossoming hero sort of before like he's been beat down by time is really interesting to me. And I would love to see more flashbacks or hell, I'd even watch like, a, like an OVA about that time. Uh, so I would like to see more of that kept. I don't think it's going to be kept. I think it was just a special thing for the movie, but... Yeah. You want to talk about something cool in those past scenes? Mm-hmm. I, for those of you listening at the moment, during the, the past flashback of young All Might, when All Might first arrives on the scene and he barrels into this big villain mm-hmm. who's green and has sharp teeth, mm-hmm. there is a crackle of yellow electricity, which we never see any other time mm-hmm. in the film. But that's what Deku's power does in green right now, which begs the question, while... The power is is blossoming and developing. Does that happen when somebody calls up upon it? Mm-hmm. When it's not active at 100% all the time? Like it's a sign that you're going through superpower puberty or something like that? Either that or that you are harnessing the power to fill up. Like mm-hmm. I think if I was to look at that detail... Right now, Deku has to moderate his levels and he's going to raise them. So it's like voltage kind of like rising Mm -hmm. in him. And it starts off at that red point, like where it's dangerous and then kind of hits this Mm -hmm. nice green. But All Might does that when he muscles up. Mm 
Mm-hmm. He just goes from zero to 100% in yeah. an instant. So the question is really like, is this just something that is part of the power but only happens as you it is settling into your body? Or is it something that's unique to Deku? It just, they could have completely omitted that. Nobody would have noticed. But because it was there, I was like, that begs the question. That's really interesting. Or it could be the opposite. Like maybe it's something that has gone away from All Might as he has lost the power or it's something that has gone away as he's gotten older or since he's been injured we haven't seen any of all might pre-injury in the show so that's why we need more that's why we mean we need more (laughs) i want to know about all might's young loves yeah while he's he's out saving the day i'm sure he was a very eligible bachelor at one point in his his life probably still is you know you say that but i also potentially see all might as like those people that you see out their stars and whatever and they are so fucking amazing they're attractive they're talented they're charismatic but they never seem to date anyone like maybe he's just so involved in the hero life that he just doesn't have time for it Never know, a little a little romance mask action. Mm-hmm. Another hero, go do some fighting. Maybe, I don't know. I think that would be exciting. Maybe his relationship with Dave is more than it appears. Dave. Mm, he seems to care about him a lot. That would be really interesting, but I don't <laughs> think that that's probably the case. No, probably, especially because Dave, it looks like eventually, he's married at this point. He wears a wedding ring throughout the entire movie. <laughs> yep, it's... We never see the mother in any of the pictures, mm-hmm. so it makes me wonder if she's passed. Yeah, she either passed away, or maybe she's not on I Island. Yeah, who knows? Uh, either way, the film was very good. Yeah. Like, we enjoyed it. It was not without its flaws, but no film is without its flaws. Yeah, and I, I know I often feel like I don't expect perfection from my media. In fact, I feel like sometimes it's more enjoyable to talk about media when there are some things that you can kind of pick apart and go, well, this wasn't great. Well, this wasn't great. Like having flaws doesn't need to drag down what is strong about something. And I feel like, as I mentioned before, this was really entertaining. You know, I I enjoyed watching it the first time. I really enjoy getting to revisit it again. So, yeah. Thank you, library, for having a copy of this movie. Thank you, library. Go visit your local library for all your anime needs. Anyways, we hope you have enjoyed this special episode Mm -hmm. of One for All. As we've talked about the first movie, you'll get another one of these at least twice. Because there is one more movie that's out right now and one more which is going to be in theaters soonish. Soon, yeah. And let us know... Theaters. Theaters, yeah. Let us know how you think about this new format that we're going to use or we're trying out using for movies. So basically, instead of doing a straight recap with some commentary on the side, like doing more of a fast recap and then getting more in depth on some of the topics. Does it work for you for the movies? Does it not work for you? Because we have, as mentioned... Two more movies to do. And we want to know if we should use the same format. If you want to leave us those comments, you can do so at One For All on Twitter. You can also find Nancy and I there. I'm at Incidentally Anna A-N-A. And Nancy is at... Watch Nancy Tweet. Now, next week or next time, we're mm-hmm. going to be jumping into... Season, season four. four. Crazy. Season four, episode one. Mm-hmm. The title of which I don't know. We're so prepared. But anyways, we're going to dive into season four of MHA, um, which is going to be really exciting. You get to meet a new photographer, man. Mm -hmm. Look forward to it then. Yep. Take it easy. See you then.